The imposter syndrome is an inability to process and own your success. Let that sit for a minute. In order for you to overcome your own imposter syndrome, you have to actually process and own what you've done right. Hello, my friend. Welcome. Before we dive in today, I just want to offer you something. Here's what it is. What if you could start every Monday morning with an easy but powerful thought experiment designed to turbocharge your communication and executive presence? What if you could turbocharge your communication and executive presence on a weekly basis for free? Well, that is what you will get when you sign up for my weekly newsletter. Just head to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe. And Bronwyn is spelled B-R-O-N-W-Y-N. Communications, all spelled out, dot com forward slash subscribe. And as a bonus, at the end of each month, I do a favorite things roundup of stuff I'm into, like books, articles, podcasts, and even some retail therapy moments. Anyway, it's good time. And at this point in my life, I'm still able to read every email response I get from you guys. And I try and respond to every single one of them. Now, if you're listening to this into the distant future, maybe like my future self will be so fancy and famous. She'll like live on a cloud and ride a unicorn to work every day. Maybe that future self won't be able to read every email. But as of right now, I totally read my emails from you guys. So it's just a great way to stay connected. And I'm sort of distancing myself a little bit more from social media. So it really is the best way to stay connected. So head over there, bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe, and I'll see you there. Okay, on with the show. Today, you are going to meet Grace. Grace is struggling with something a lot of us can relate to. How do you become your most powerful self when you are recovering from a long season of stress, crisis, and fear? How do you bring calm, presence, creativity, and clarity of thinking when you have been in survival mode for so long, you feel like all you know how to do is keep your chin above the waterline? In other words, how do you function and thrive and flourish during peacetime when your body has been trained for war? You are going to love this conversation and you are going to hear the generosity and honesty and beauty in Grace's story and her experience and her willingness to say the thing, ask for the help and to grow. So let's dive in. Please meet Grace. Tell us your backstory. What brought you to this moment where you're like, you know what? I think I need to talk to Bronwyn. Well, a few things personally and professionally. I just started a new job this fall. That's a huge professional leap for me. And prior to that, for almost a decade, I was working in higher ed. That's where I've been working for quite some time. I had taken a little time off when I had my kids and then taken a job that was maybe a step or two more junior than I left behind when I went back just because I was still like the go-to parent and the focus was really on my partner's career. So thinking this was just like a stepping stone, I took this job and then a decade passed (laughs) and 
I was really conveniently able to juggle a lot. I had really young kids. I had sick parents during that time. Your Sandwich Generation podcast. Oh, girl. The fangirl you for just a hot minute. So I just want to give a bit of context. What she's referring to here is an episode I did about the quote unquote sandwich generation. And what the sandwich generation is, is when you are sandwiched between caring for your children and caring for your parents. It is a powerful conversation with a powerful human named Peggy Flynn, who is basically, I mean, she got me through my sandwich generation crisis with my father. And she wrote a book called The Caregiving Zone. And she's just an incredible resource. So if you're going through it, if you are, honey, if you are in the sandwich, I want you to Google Sandwich Generation Bronwyn and you will find the episode. Give it a listen. Okay, back to it. I would listen to that on repeat on my commute during that time because I was just in it. And I had this job dialed in and I stayed in it longer than I should have. And then when I got divorced last year, I had to really reassess everything because suddenly this whole future that I had been building has kind of evaporated. And financially speaking, I really need to get my ducks in a row. So I knew I needed to find a new job. And I was lucky to land this amazing new position. And is the new position in alignment with your vision for your future, yourself, what you're capable of? I feel like this is a communication thing. I get in my own head, like, don't forget what you want to say. Oh, don't say it that way. Yeah. Then I get tripped up and that's where I start sounding like a younger, less secure version of myself that I am really tired of at this point. That's so interesting. So it's almost like you dissociate from the moment, you go up above yeah. And it's almost like you're looking at all the different potential paths your mind could speak. You could speak out loud. Totally. Weighing each one. Is that one going to work? Well, that one. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, my mouth is still talking. It's interesting it's, that you yeah. say that because I think that when we take a moment and we get quiet, like I am right now, there are literally one million things in my brain that I want to say to you right now. I want to comment on what you just said. I want to comment on the issue that you just raised, which is you feel like you can't articulate a thought in its fullness because you're already thinking through the next 10 and whether that was the right thought to be. There are a million things going through my head right now. But I'm taking a minute and I'm allowing silence to do what my mind cannot, which is strategize nine different things at the same time while speaking. So sometimes I think we beat ourselves up for having multiple strains of thought at the same time. That's not the sin. The sin is trying to pretend like we can keep talking. Really good communicators are okay pausing, letting silence happen for a second and then picking up a thread. What happens to you when you get quiet or silent? I have a real fear of not having a chance to speak. And that's definitely a result of the patterns of my relationship communication Mm. of my 15 year marriage. It's also being a really junior person in a higher ed 
situation where a lot of times there's just not room for my voice at the table. And at a table that preached equity and inclusion, anyway, it was tricky times for me. And I'm glad to be stepping away from it. But I'm realizing silence, especially now in this new gig, it's hard to get a word in edgewise. I'm with a lot of really big personalities and big thinkers with big ideas. I love it. And I'm eating it up. But I'm also like, wait, is that my turn to talk? Hold on a little. So it's like a scarcity mindset. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. In fact, people that struggle with talking too fast or muddled thinking, a lot of it is triggered by feeling like there's not enough time, not enough space, not enough status, not enough this, not enough that. But before we attack the scarcity issue, I want to back up a little bit to the communication patterns you were talking about in your marriage, because this is something that a lot of us struggle with. Yeah. And when I say a lot of us struggle with, I want to say a massive percentage of married women struggle with this. This isn't just you. This is also patriarchy. This is also whoever makes more money gets to be the loudest. What was the pattern in the marriage without, you know, and I'm not trying to throw anybody's husbands under the bus. This is just what culture sort of grooms us to be. But tell me about that pattern in the marriage communication wise. I don't know. He was trained in a profession that taught him to defend his point to the end. And it became a real issue in our marriage. Yeah. And it was really hard. And I learned a lot. Since then, you know, I have heard it too, of course. He's a very skilled arguer and a very powerful speaker. And it would be hard to get a word in edgewise. And Um, also when I project myself into what you're saying and I take up your position, I would feel outgunned, outgunned and outmaneuvered. And what's the point vibes? I don't enjoy arguing for sport and some people really do, but yeah. I don't. It just left me with this unsettled feeling. I, and I know being conflict averse isn't sustainable either. It put me on the defense or like a reactionary communicator. Yes. Instead of like a proactive communicator. Right. That's what I'm feeling now too. And I really want to like artfully move away from. And I realize I'm so triggered. It's no bueno in the new job because the way that it works in these squishy higher ed meetings that I've been part of for the last years, like people do wait for the other person to start and stop talking. And everyone's very polite. That is not how people talk in a kitchen. I'm in a food related business now. And that's not how people talk in the business world. No. And the last time I was in the business world was when we were in a previous century. That's I just exactly right. I just learn this new kind of communication pattern for one thing. And I have to learn not to be triggered. In a meeting the other day, I had the floor. This is not a big deal, not a presentation. Just a like round robin check-in kind of a thing. Yeah. And these two colleagues of mine were talking when I had the floor and I like kind of lost it. And what does losing it look like like for you? It doesn't look much like losing it because then I apologized for losing it. I was like, that was losing it. Yeah. What (laughs) literally like, what does it look like and sound like? It was just like, 
I couldn't talk. I froze up. Everyone was like, what's happening to you right now? And what happened? Because I just lost my whole mid train of thought. I was in the middle of saying a candidate's name in this hiring. We're doing this mass hire. And I was just like, oh, no one's listening to me. And then I was like, I'm sorry, I'm triggered. And then they were like, by what? We don't understand. <laughs> like, what is happening to you right now? And I was just like, I was just thinking to myself, like, this is not going to work. I can't wait for there to be absolute silence every time I need to chime in. So I was yeah. just thankfully had this on the docket. I love that example. And actually, I want to zoom back a little bit more. When you think about somebody whose communication style you really admire, it could be somebody you work with. It could be a famous person. It could be somebody in history. Who do you look at and be like, I want to inch closer to that as a communicator? Because we need a touchstone here. The first person who comes to mind is a coworker from my last job. His job was communications, but she also did quite a bit of teaching and public speaking. And she's also a certifiable expert in the topic she was speaking on. So she always came to it with like a gravitas, but also a humility and self-effacing humor that I really appreciated. Okay, um, let's give her a name that is not her name. Linda. Okay, Linda. We've got Linda as a power archetype. What I would like you to consider doing is when we're in these moments of huge transition, where we're like, okay, fuck, I have gone as far as I can go with the skills that I have. Literally, I can go no further. I've done all the good I can with what I've got so far. It can be so helpful to build a sort of board of directors in your mind, a collection of archetypes that you can borrow from. My board of directors, quote unquote, is like, it's Oprah, it's Freddie Mercury, it's freaking Shirley Chisholm, it's Michelle Obama, it's Beyonce, it's fucking Lizzo. It's all these people. Yes. That I admire the common thread is they're amazing performers. They appear fearless, even though they are not fearless. And they are distinctly themselves. And they're my little powerhouse group. When I reach the edge of what I can do on my own, I borrow their energy because I can't do it. What I want you to consider doing is building your board of directors that you have at your beck and call to borrow their energy. Linda is one. Right. You can have as many as you want and they serve different purposes. But right. let's just reach into the Linda archetype for a second. And we're not going to stay super like, yes, we're talking about a human being, but she's now rising out of the level of human being and into symbol. So right. we're going to do a bunch of attribution of things we couldn't possibly know about Linda because we don't know her that well, but we're going to yeah. assign a bunch of shit to her right now. Okay. Yeah. For the sake of archetype. If you had to think about the beliefs Linda has about Linda that allow her to have gravitas, humility, and to be self-effacing, funny, warm, but also a total badass, what do you think Linda believes about herself? She's grounded in reality. And what is that reality that she's there's grounded like a, in? There's an integrity to her knowledge and her behavior that's unshakable. Yeah. And she has that because she has the PhDs and the years of experience and all the things. How is that different from how you feel? 
I feel like I've been shot out of a cannon. I really do. Some days I actually feel like the wind in my hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm hurtling through time and space and just being like, okay, here, here we, we go. go. And I've only been fully divorced. Like it was finalized around the new year last year. So we're just coming up on a year. And then right after that is when I started down the path of getting this job, which was a huge process in and of itself with this like very visionary CEO who had me write like a vision for my life and all this like like, big thinking. And it's all kind of unfolding, but there was no upward mobility for me there. And then I saw the chance. So I feel like I've taken this huge leap. There were all these things I thought I might do. Go get a master's. Yeah. Go to culinary school. This, that. But instead, I landed this job, which is my dream. But I feel like someone's going to find out that I don't belong there. And one of my colleagues even said to me at one point, hey, you have the job. (laughs) Okay. But it was said with love. Yeah. And I get it. And the master syndrome is not cute. Because it comes off as like digging for compliments, I think. It's not that it's digging for compliments. This reminds me, this is so funny because I'm going to go back in the Wayback Machine when Pat Morrissey first hired me at Scient and I first joined and I was supporting eMarkets. He wanted me to introduce myself to the whole group over email. And I could not do it. I was terrified. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how much of me was okay to show. Meanwhile, LOL. Those are big peabodies. But also it was an environment where if there was ever a place I could be my full self, it was there. But yeah. I didn't know that. And he pulled me aside one day and he got so mad. I've never seen him mad ever in my life. Yeah. And he was like, dude, do what you were born to do, what we freaking hired you to do, like stop. And later on, I realized like the reason he was so mad is that he was just watching me get in my own way, which was actually fucking up the mission of the group. Bingo. That is what I feel I'm on the brink of having happen right now. I can like feel myself teetering on that. I feel like that's like, what my personal, like, that's what my board is saying to me, right? <laughs> Your board you were, is like, you were born to do this and you worked so hard to get here. Like, yeah. sink in and enjoy the authenticity of it. But instead, like, my hands are shaking right now. Yeah. But if there's one thing I know from the last year, like, no one's going to do this for me. I have to figure it out and build up that myself, you know, also have to leave a person behind. You got to leave she who feels shot out of a cannon. She got you through your divorce. She got you through the toddler stage. She got you through sandwiching with young kids. There's a version of you that got you through that stuff. She knows how to feel the wind in her hair and get shot out of a cannon and that version of you is only really at ease when she feels like she's flying through the air. Yeah, I'm actually never at ease. But there's a part of you that is but used like, to that. Yes, and I actually am like afraid that if I stand down, then that's when the like... The shit is going to happen. Like yeah. 
and I have to be vigilant at all times, which is also a it's result. A, it's a trauma response. It is. And You're I, based, and, yeah. yeah, which I have some diagnosed PTSD. Most people don't even fucking know they've got it. The fact that you know it and that you're already healing back the layers bodes really well. But here's the thing, and I know you know this, and I know we all know this, from one deeply, habitually anxious person to another, we think that by being on fire and flying through the air and being in a perpetual state of panic and hypervigilance, we think it somehow guards us from crisis. Yeah. But it doesn't. Crisis doesn't give a shit. It's true. So wouldn't you rather greet crisis from equanimity and groundedness and time, fate, God, whoever has given you a little patch to work with here, my friend. And that patch includes your dream job. You are the master of your own ship finally. And you've got two young people watching you to understand how power works. Let that sink in for a second. You are emulating the way power works. How do you want to show up as a power figure in their lives? Answer that question for me. For them, that's where it's easy for me. When it's important, when it's a crisis, I'm at my best. And I'm good at staying calm and I can be a rock for them all day long. You know, they will just give you all manner of crises to solve for them then if that's the only time they see you calm. Whoa. And the same goes for your career, baby, too. You'll just start manufacturing crises that you can feel calm and show up calm. To be honest, like the crux of my job within all of this has been events for the most part. Oh, Christ. Talk about stress. Well, yeah. And even in, in my side hustle catering, that's weddings. That is crazy town, USA. And I thrive on that. There's part of me that thrives on it. And part of me is like, that is why I'm going to do a good job at this intersection of, you know, like kitchen yeah. business and all these things. It that is. It's totally. density. So... There's part of me that's like, I need to keep riding that adrenaline wave because it's gotten me this far. But it's like, but it can't be the only wave you ride, girl. Right, right, exactly. So what's exciting is that you have a whole new pocket of power to explore. Because what you're being called to do in this new role as a leader in this new role is to take all of your skill of being the center of the eye of the hurricane when you need to be and adding this new power archetype for yourself that is grounded, humble, unassailably solid. Because when it's wartime, you need to be able to strategize and bear down. But when it's peacetime, you have to evolve. When it's peacetime, you have to execute on a vision and get other people enrolled in your vision. And the only way you can be that kind of leader is by evolving the way you see yourself and the way you see you're moving through time and space. And so if you're asking me as a communication coach, how do I get to be more grounded and have more gravitas as a communicator and be a better visionary leader, be able to hold space without feeling triggered? The whole thing starts by establishing Right now, 
that you are ready and you may not be ready. You could say no. Are you ready to explore a different type of power inside yourself instead of just the crisis management power? 100%. I feel like I've got like one foot in that world and one foot in the old world. It's the straddling the two that I don't know which one I'm going to wake up to. Also, I believe so much in the vision of what we're doing. And there's nothing worse than watching someone who's afraid to speak. And so we're going to have these trainings and I want to communicate the beauty and all the hard work and all of the great things we're going to do with like such fierce, solid clarity and not the shaky index card or the modern day Cleveland is and that like, I mean, they're still using them, girl. Yeah, it doesn't do justice to our project. It doesn't do justice to what I bring to the table, even if I have more to learn, which we all do. But just catch me on a random Tuesday at that meeting. Yeah. And I'm going to freak out on you if you interrupt me. And then yeah. I'm, it's your crazy pants. I know. And then you're like, that isn't even me. It's like the old me. And she popped in for no good reason. Here's what I would like for you to consider. Okay. When I think about the life you've carved out for yourself, you live in an ideal place that literally sounds like you wrote it in a book and then stepped into the book. Like your physical where you live. I love it like that. I feel like that every day. I do. If I tell you to close your eyes and just be in your town right now. Yeah. And just see the ocean. Dude. Not everybody gets an experience. You literally are in the place you created for yourself. Just like let yourself be supported literally with the ground that's underneath your feet right now. You created that for yourself. When you feel the solidity of what you physically created for yourself and your family in that place, how does it make you feel? Like what physical sensations do you feel in your body? I'm not sure I can land in my body right now. Yeah, that's okay. I don't really feel anything. Is that weird? No, it's totally, again, trauma response. Neutral is better though, because usually neutral is better than negative. Neutral is better than holy shit, right? Yeah, it's been hard fought for me to get to neutral. Awesome. Okay, let's pretend like it's the future version of you that's doing this exercise. Pretend you're looking at yourself at 60 and she, oh my God, I have to tell you, I've met her. She is so fucking stoked. She has the best job that she grew from nothing into something miraculous. She's that queen that everybody wants to invite to their house because she's so wise and she's so funny and she's the best cook and she's the best time and she's so successful. And her kids love her and everything worked out for her. She's fucking amazing. If you were going to have her do this exercise of sitting quietly, realizing this incredible life she'd made for herself, how do you imagine she would feel in her body? Peaceful and grateful. At ease. Yeah. She probably would feel the pads of her feet sinking into the floor. She'd probably feel her lower back unclench. My lower back unclenched. <laughs> Give those little sweet feet a little wiggle. I'm just always ready to like pounce. Yeah. Or run. And that's from having small children, especially really active 
there was many a time where you had to be ready to like jump up and stop somebody from throwing themselves off the edge of a cliff. Exactly. And there's elders who could be calling you at any moment that I just fell and I need to be picked up. This is all so legitimate. All of it. The question is, can you spend five minutes a day with your future self? I think that's the only way. Yeah, but I have to actually make the time to do that. Well, the funny thing is, let me see, how can I say this? At first, it feels like you have to make the time and five minutes feels like a lot. And then it starts to feel like I can't survive without making contact with that place. Yeah. Right. So I'm just talking about a morning practice, like literally a five minute morning practice. Then we're going to talk about meeting prep that I want to just give you. When you wake up, what time of day do you wake up and what instantly happens? I could use some morning discipline. I wake up early without an alarm, but I'm instantly on the phone. Like I don't even try. That phone can't live anywhere in your boudoir. Yeah, but it has for so long and I know it's an issue. And you and every other freaking human being alive right now. So we're not picking on you. We're not beating that part of you up. Basically, what the phone checking is, is modern day thumb sucking. We wake up and we suck our thumbs because we're self-soothing. So what if instead, I know that you've already thought about this. I'm just being that bossy bitch that's going to get up in your grill if you don't do it. What if you created a beautiful little landing? I'm sure you have some beautiful saucer that you never know what to do with, but it's so pretty and you wish you had something pretty to put on it and you don't. Make a little space in your kitchen where your phone gets to be a beautiful place for it to live at night. That way in the morning when you wake up, what is a beautiful thing you can do for yourself where you can spend time dreamscaping what that future you actually looks and feels and sounds like? Is it that you wake up, you put the kettle on, you make coffee, and you sit quietly somewhere in your house or on your front porch or something for five minutes and just think about who that future self is? Yeah, that's a beautiful idea and so easy. And get weird with it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've had to do that to a certain extent, just not as intentionally to get to this place. In just one year, think of what you've done, how far you've come. Thank you. I think the issue that I run up against is feeling like undeserving. Yeah. Of that, like when you listed off those things, like, oh, your dream job and your town, like, look what you've done. I'm like, and you're complaining? It's relentless, that voice. It's compromising my success, not being able to quiet that voice. Not only is it compromising your success, you're living a life that's not fully getting lived. So you've got all this abundance and juiciness and the universe saying yes to your prayers and you can't fully inhabit the success of it because that voice that's tried to keep you safe all these years and it's done a damn fine job because you're still alive is getting in the way. And the trick is not to silence it, but to thank her. And we need to give her a name. What are we going to call your inner shrew that's like, Really? You're going to complain? Or she's also saying, get off your ass, you lazy slag. Why are you sitting there staring into space thinking about your future self? Get to work. You better work, bitch. She's the same person. Yeah. What are we going to call her? I think she's Denise. (laughs) We love Denise. Denise kept you alive and functioning. Am I right? Yeah. 
But Denise has got some bad habits. So there's actually a couple of characters inside of you. There's future self. There's Denise. Who's the one that gets triggered by being interrupted? What's her story? Oh, it's just, I, for so long, thought there was no different future for me than the path that I was on. And I got myself in a really sad, dark place. And I just had kind of accepted that. And so there's like a very sad, broken person who's still like not sure we're well clear of all of that because it's not just my marriage. It's things that went sideways for me before that and that I didn't know any better and that it's just life coming at you and the things that happen. But there's like this sadness and came so close to just like going in that black hole forever. So I don't know. That's a big, heavy sadness that I know is also part of this too. Let's call her wounded self. She is so precious. That self is so precious. We never, ever want to get rid of her. She's too special and she's endured so much and she's never given up and she lives right in you. And there's no place we'd rather her to be. That wounded self is actually going to help you become an even better leader because she's where all the vulnerability and truth and strength lives. But she really sucks at meetings. Yeah, she's making everyone crazy. She's making other people nervous because she's making them touch all her pain. And you're like, baby girl, like we're going to get a cozy cup of coffee later and you can tell me all about it. But right now, future self's running this. What I want you to do... And you know this because you're so self-aware and you've done so much work already. It's so clear. There's that thing about meditation, which is the whole goal is to create space between stimulus and response. So how might you, when you feel triggered, do something that reminds yourself to just get back into the present moment and realize that they're inside you are multiple people and you get to decide which one of you shows up. So If you feel your heart racing or you feel yourself getting triggered, you can be like, oh God, I bet that's wounded self or I bet that's fucking Denise. Some people will just smile to themselves, take a deep breath, roll their shoulders back and be like, okay, future self is running this. Love that you two are having a chat, but you're throwing me off and I can't maintain my train of thought. Give me five minutes and I will be done and then you can pick up the conversation. Yeah, And I think to have the wherewithal to do that, I need to land in my body first. Yeah. Yeah. Come down from the cannon flight, like you said. That's it. Like arrive. That's it. Arrive and know that like, oh God, how awesome that I have this set of people that live inside of me that I can soothe, roll my shoulders back. What you're going to notice is that there are certain patterns, like maybe getting interrupted is like a really crystal clear trigger for you. You just need a script. You need to say the exact same phrase over and over again whenever you get interrupted, which is love where your head is at, love that you're making a connection. You got to give me five minutes to complete this thought. Yeah. Love where your head is at, love the energy of this connection, but you need to let me finish. Yeah. Validate, let me finish. Validate, let me finish. Yeah. Okay. So repeat that back to me. 
I'm chirping with my colleague over here. We're kind of the cool girls at the meeting and it's your turn to talk, but we're clerping right here. What are you going to say to me? Love that energy. You need to let me finish. It's it's what I'm fucking talking about. I'm just such, I hate it about this patriarchy lifestyle, but that was so not aggressive. And to me, I feel like I might as well have just thrown a chair at your head. You know what I mean? Like I really can't recalibrate what my aggression meter is. That's a really wise statement. And I think you can keep your aggression meter set to super sensitive, maybe in other places, like maybe dealing with your kids, it's appropriate that or your parents, that level, that setting is perfect. But when you step into work, you get to explore and play with a different set of norms. How fun is that? And it's a food business. And so those fuckers are like, Oh, yeah. So I'm already realizing like I just have to grow a thicker skin, which I'm already doing. Like so much of this is in play. It's just figuring out. I see her out there, future self. Yeah. (laughs) It's like one step forward, two steps back trying to get to her. But also it's different outfits that we wear. The me that goes into when I go to work with people, CEO, whoever the hell it is. I can be a tough bitch when I need to be because I'm in a role. Right. I'm doing Bronwyn at work. When I do Bronwyn at home, I am so much more sensitive and tuned in and hyper aware of all of the dynamics. When I go into work with a CEO, I step into a role. They are paying me money to tell them the fucking truth. So right. you need to be able to pull different outfits together. When you walk into work, you're putting on different clothes, metaphorically. And how great. What a freaking relief. No, that's true. And I think you're on to something too with just... Whew, yeah, this is a lot. I appreciate the silence right there. Well done. No, oh, thanks. You didn't talk through that. You just held it. I have this thing with like losing my train of thought too that I know is just a result of so many different things, but it's that fight flight or freeze response. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's okay to say, you know what? I lost my train of thought. I'm going to need to come back to this later because the minute you take the pressure off your brain, a minute and a half later, the thought's back. It's when we bear down and make it a thing. And I'll tell you, this is the part that's so messed up. I'm dealing with brain freeze a lot right now because of menopause. As if it's not bad enough to be a woman with babies and all the things. Sweating and like, yeah. Sweating, all yeah. the shit. Also brain freeze. And my version of brain freeze is that I can't think of a word. And words for me are like the one thing I can count on. Gone. And yeah. so I had to have this relearning in my spirit where I would get so frustrated and so horrified like what does this mean cognitively that I can't access this word and then I stopped doing that I was like no I'm just going to tell people like I lost the word I'm looking for this word it's this and this and audiences will be like it's this people get so into helping me and it's hilarious and then the word comes yeah when I make it a thing it becomes a thing so that brings me to what I was thinking which is like I keep thinking that I'm going to graduate or something And people important to me in my life keep saying like, oh, the new you, like, you know, like that's the old you. And I feel like I have to reach this day on the calendar when it's all over and I'm okay. It's never going to happen. 
I think that's maybe why Denise and <laughs> wounded self get so loud is because they think I'm trying to kick them out. A part of me, like you say, they did a lot for me. And they will continue to do a lot for you. But I think that's part of what's broken about the narrative of divorce in our culture is that there's supposed to be this like sassy new self that just gets out and like reinvents and magic wands her way into this new thing. And I think that's not helpful. I think there's such a period of grieving that has to happen around the fantasy that had to die of what we thought we were going to be and what our life was going to look like around the life we thought we were going to have around the self we thought we were. And there's not enough space for grieving alongside whatever celebration also wants to happen. Cause that's true too. Once you finally get free, there is a little bit of a feeling of celebration. I would imagine. Definitely. I also have noticed that there's the loss of a partner who I have like the best friends of all time who I can access at any time of the day or night. And I, I'm so lucky for that. I know, but it's different than having another adult who lives in the house with you, who's intimately involved, especially starting a new gig like this, who's just hears you out on what your day to day is. And so I'm that for myself right now too, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like you're standing at the very tippy top of a spire, a very tall tower spire, trying not to fall off. While like mowing the lawn and shoveling snow and fixing the toilet, both toilets were broken last week. And I was just like, it's it's like all of those things and more and just trying to like keep a sense of humor about it than just the rest of the world on fire shit that everyone is dealing with every day. Just the general malaise of being an adult woman in the year 2023. Exactly. Well, here's the thing that always makes me feel better. And I don't know that situation you described where you feel that acute loss of a partner. That is an experience I haven't yet had. Hopefully I never will, but who knows? I mean, anything can happen to any of us at any given moment. Is it sometimes helpful to know that this whole thing is just a big experiment? Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. And it ends very abruptly, not on our timing. I used to work with this guy when we were playing scared and not working to our potential. He said, let me tell you how this ends. A bunch of people come and they watch as your body is lowered into the ground and then they throw dirt on your face. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. And so you might as well just do it completely on your own terms, whatever that is. It may be one of those things where you're like, you know what? Balance is not an option for me. In fact, I think it's a lie. Balance is not an option. What I'm trying to do is alignment. I'm going to pick one thing to align myself to today. And that's the only thing I'm going to worry about. You know what? Today I'm lining up with presence. All I'm going to do is be in the moment. Even if I fuck up, getting it right isn't the intention or the what I'm lining up with today. It's just being present. Because the problem is we're trying to balance too many teacups on our shoulders And we need to stand up straight and let all the teacups fall off. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I absolutely do. Okay, so practical, tactical world. Your RX leaving this conversation is number one, you cannot sleep with your phone next to your bed anymore. Those days are over. I need to pick up the clock. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I have. I went on Amazon and I bought two very ancient old lady clocks. That's I, I don't even want digital display. I want literally a tick, tick, tick clock. They're like $9 on Amazon. So that's the first thing. The second thing is five minutes of uninterrupted daydreaming about your delightful, delicious future self. Making the time. Where do you go for discipline? What's the thing that keeps you from grabbing your phone? It's the most delicious feedback loop because once you start doing this, you feel so much better. Yeah. And then you're like, God, why do I feel like shit today? Oh, yeah. I didn't do my thing. In fact, it's interesting. I've been journaling and doing coffee quietly, doing my morning pages consistently for 25 years. And about two or three months ago, I hit such a dangerous burnout level that I was like, I need to burn it all down. I need to wipe the slate clean. I need to burn it all down. I need to completely rethink myself and how I'm moving through the world because this isn't sustainable. And instead, I started waking up at dawn, taking the dog and doing a three-mile hike. And it was so delicious and it reanimated my corpse, basically. So to answer your question, discipline doesn't get you further than the first maybe 10 days. After that, it's the pleasure that keeps it going. It's just pleasure. It feels so good. I just have felt like there's no time for that. It just has felt that way. Yeah, because there's time for scrolling. You didn't need to read that New York Times article this morning. You didn't need to. That's true. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. You could literally give yourself a 30-day news fast for December. Literally just do a news fast. Don't even worry about social media. Maybe that's too hard. Just give yourself a news break and use that five minutes to dreamscape a future self concept. That's a great idea. Then you'll find the time. You found the time to deal with that bullshit plumbing issue you had. No, it's true. Five minutes is five minutes. It's five minutes. Yeah. I mean, I have this stack of books by my bedside that has been there for years. It's all waiting for me. You know, I just make the time for it. Well, Denise and Wounded Self are scared you're going to leave them if you start thinking this way. And you need to let them know this is another five minutes you could use on a weekend when you have some time. Sit down with them and thank them for their service and they're not going anywhere. And if Denise or Wounded Self try to hijack that and say, you can't have that or that's dumb or whatever, write down what they say on a post-it note because you will die laughing. You'll be like, queens. (laughs) The caucasity of these queens. So do that. That's your second thing. The third thing is I want you to have a little two-minute pre-meeting ritual. Your pre-meeting ritual is to ask yourself, what's my intention for this meeting? So when you go into a meeting and it's just a status meeting, what's my intention for the status meeting? Maybe your intention is, you know what? I need help with something. And all these people here are gathered. My intention is to put my issue that I need help with out to the brain trust and see what genius ideas come back. You go in and you do that versus I'm going to look busy and make sure everybody knows how busy I am in this status meeting. It's just like gold star. That's just like my lowest self. And it's, oh, right there. That's the only prompt I want you to play with for two minutes for a meeting. 
what is my intention for this fill in the blank? Does something to our brains. I'm convinced if there was a freaking MRI machine I could borrow. When you say to yourself, what is my intention? There is something about that question that quiets fear. And it calls up love, which is really the battle that you're in at work. You are battling between fear and love and fear keeps winning. Well, and I feel like that's also the issue writ large at this new work because we're up against all these production delays. So everyone's in that space. So it's kind of a hot mess for all of us. Another script you want to play with, we talked about a script for dealing with interruptions. If you've got all those production delays, all those issues, all of that, all of those obstacles, there's going to be a lot of scarcity thinking. And one of my favorite scripts for outmaneuvering scarcity thinking is the how might we dot, dot, dot. So let's say you've got this going wrong, that going wrong, this going wrong. Instead of letting the group spiral out of control and attack each other and blame each other, you can say, how might we do X while also acknowledging that Y is the case? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I learned that trick from a brilliant professor at Stanford, Banny Banerjee. If you become known in your group for being the how might we person. It's a powerful place to be. Sure is. Instead of the person running circles around trying to make sure everyone's happy, nothing's wrong. It's not a realistic set of standards anyway. You Life know? is boring. Yeah. Okay. One more RX. We've got okay. a couple here. Final RX is... And by when I say RX for people that are listening that don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I'm talking about prescription. That's the symbol for prescription is RX. Your final RX is the definition of the imposter syndrome based on the original research that was done in the 70s by two women researchers. And the research was originally only focused on highly successful women. And the definition from the actual piece of research that I read said the imposter syndrome is an inability to process and own your success. Let that sit for a minute, which means that in order for you to overcome your own imposter syndrome, you have to actually process and own what you've done right. Mm. When's the last time you did that? I mean, a little bit, but all those noisy voices have lots to say about (laughs) how I might've done things differently or... Where I should be by now. L-O-L. Yes, 100%. That really resonates hard. That's what has to happen. I want you to get witchy with yourself and make a list of successes that you're proud of. And it could be a list as tiny as I woke up this morning, even though I wanted to stay in bed, all the way up to... I landed my dream job and I live in the most perfect place I could possibly live. But I want you to get witchy about it. Whatever ritual makes you feel delighted, maybe it's going to your favorite beach or going to a favorite restaurant or buying some really delicious looking journal, whatever that is for you, ritualize it, but then systematize it. So maybe you put something in your calendar for the 31st or 30th of every month that you spend 30 minutes listing everything you did right. Just looking at that list and being like, God damn. All right. Yeah. 
Because that's all it is. It's just like a series of small wins. There's no one day that the flip script. That's it. That's exactly right. And that's where confidence comes from. We have to earn our confidence. The problem is some of us aren't cashing in the confidence chips that we actually have. You'll feel so much stronger in these meetings and in these presentations if you are standing on the shoulders of your own accomplishments. Thank you. Look what you've done just in one year. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Listen, you could have totally bowed out of the workforce and nobody would have judged you for it to raise your kids and support your husband and all the things, but you didn't. You stayed engaged, which made it that much easier to get back in the game in your genius zone, which is where you are now. You're literally working in your genius zone. Thank you. I want to make the most of it so very badly for myself and for the people I have a chance to work with. We're hiring up all these amazing people and I just want to show them I've got them and I'm not a tweak show. You're not a tweak show. Not Denise. You're not Denise and you're not wounded self either. As Walt Whitman says, you contain multitudes and you get to decide which one shows up to the meetings. Yeah. Oh, I love you, Bronwyn. I love you so much. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you and like how honest you are. And I'm also just in awe of you. Like, I don't think you realize what you've done. I don't think you fucking get it. I think you have life dysmorphia. You're so right. But you you know, reinvented your fucking life on your own terms and you got your dream job and you live in the perfect place for you. Oh, and I'm just getting started. That's what I know too. Like I know when I look back on this time, I'm going to be like, wow, you were still in the shit, girl. But right now I feel from where I was two years ago, so, 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 so much better. I mean, I was really not doing well. I was not going in a good direction at all. And so... It's just going to take some time to really appreciate well. Like what you say, I have to make a determined path to process that everything that's happened. Yeah. That way I can enjoy and appreciate and live in the gratitude instead of. And I think like that kind of trauma and near miss, which is what you navigated around and out of, it takes years to process that. It takes, you may never totally get to the bottom of it. Welcome to being a human. Yeah. But you can create safe pockets that are cozy spaces to process it where you can just let it all hang out. And then spaces where you get to give it a snack, put it on the couch so that future self can just unfurl. Yeah. And enjoy and be in pleasure. God, pleasure is the antidote for you right now too. Pleasure. Like real pleasure. Like real pleasure. Even just the five minute pleasure of sitting with a cup of coffee before everybody's awake and just daydreaming. Like how luxurious is that? Thank Pure you. pleasure. Yeah. And it's not so much to ask either. You're not talking about like a spa day. Yeah. <laughs> talking about five minutes, which is a great place to start. It's a great oh, place sure. to start. And then you'll find yourself just craving pleasure like that. And to me, that's what pleasure is. It's Of course, it's the grand gestures, but it's the mini moments where you just allow yourself to actually taste the glass of wine that you're drinking. Imagine. That ever happened to you? Like, I don't know if you drink alcohol anymore, but like I have one glass of wine while I'm making dinner and I look down and I'm like, 
I wasn't even here for this glass of wine because I was in my fucking... Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can apply that across like cheese. Ice cream. Was I even there for that? No, it's just like the comfort. So yeah, totally. I feel you. And there's also, yeah, the headspace. I hear you. (sighs) Loved her, loved that, love you. And if there's a part of you that can really relate to Grace's inability to get into her own body, to really drop into just the warm animal of your body, as Mary Oliver once so poetically said, do yourself a favor. Spend just five minutes feeling your toes, your kneecaps, your arms, your shoulders, your hair follicles. Create a practice to just be in the warm animal that is your body. And I know that seems weird and pointless. It is not. It's actually the entry point for all that is good inside of you to come forward. And so often we have to disconnect from our bodies in order to survive. But there comes a time, my friend, when you got to get reacquainted. So my hope is that you take a million things from this conversation. But most importantly, please take the practice of five minutes of time with your future self of five minutes of feeling your beautiful, beautiful physical form in whatever state it's in, good, bad, or otherwise. Hey, if you're still with me and you haven't already, hit subscribe so you can get my latest episodes delivered hot off the press. And feel free to share this with someone who could use a little inspiration. If you're looking to go further on this journey as a communicator, head over to bronwyncommunications.com forward slash subscribe And on Monday mornings, you will receive a communication tip to work with for the week. And on Saturday mornings, you'll receive a short little email with three things I am listening to or reading or digging right now. Also find me on my new YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash this is Bronwyn, B-R-O-N-W-Y-N, where I drop new content every Thursday covering strategies for getting more confident during moments of conflict. And speaking of conflict, if you're dealing with a tough client or work situation and you need better skills for managing difficult conversations, check out my new online course called the No Enemy Client Conversation. And that is noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. That's noenemy.bronwyncommunications.com. As always, you can find me on Instagram at bronwynsf where I offer a lot of behind the scenes insights into how I make all this content and run my business for those coaches and solopreneurs who need a little inspo. And lastly, if your company or organization needs a high voltage keynote speaker, who knows how to melt faces and blow minds virtually or in real life? I'm your gal. Shoot me a note. Let's make some magic happen. That's Bronwyn at BronwynCommunications.com. And shine on, my friend. We need your light.